and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Redoctopus Cephala Podcast, the only show that celebrates all things that made growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorking Entity Bear Podcast Networks, and as always, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee, coffee to die for. Yeah. I am your host, Abe Badalkamy. Yeah. I'm your host, Abe Badalkamy, and with me, as always, are my very, very happy, happy little cohorts, Parasite Steve. <laughs> You know, I did some thinking on this, and I know everybody expects my favorite golden girl to be Betty White, but I really think that I'm a Blanche man. You know, I appreciate you being a Blanche man. I do. Uh, Nintendo. I bear a thing to pay. Happy little dead trees. <laughs> wow. I like, the, I like painting the blood all over the trunks. Gotta get that my, detail. I use my I use my own blood. <laughs> it's a it's a little on the grim side. A little grim. <laughs> That's okay. But it turns a wonderful shade of brown. Uh, okay. So in case this this impression is not immediately obvious, which might not be, it might not given, be because they're terrible. Given the nature of these terrible impressions. <laughs> yes. Um. So so uh, today's episode, we are going to be talking about the wonderful, the incomparable, the incredibly smooth uh bob ross yes uh robert ross uh bobbert uh, is uh, bobbert rossman bobbert was born a, a a poor black man no this wasn't true go ahead none of this but it was similar <laughs> to nothing that happened <laughs> so so uh yeah so we we're going to talk about bob ross um and this episode is definitely going to be a bit different for everybody so i you know i really wanted to do an episode kind of highlighting the the man the myth the legend and talking about his life but also kind of realized that it was going to be a little bit more biographical than like our average episode um because unlike you know the jim henson episode where we can kind of go through it and talk about shows and things throughout the ages bob ross is kind of just a man you know yeah, he's just you can't really did some painting. you can't spend the, the the three hours describing paintings that we lacked exactly and that's and that's not even fun like, we'll be like well there's that. one i so, like the, uh, the one with the mountains there's this one with the tr- with the mountains <laughs> and he uses the knife and it's just oh you know water always water is just like bob you know it's lazy it likes to take the easiest path through it does it does so so you know we're like okay uh I, I did some research i looked into bob ross and i figured what we'd do is do kind of an overall biography of the man we'll all switch off you know talking about different aspects of his life and career and uh you know we'll stop stop halfway along the way we'll do some octopondering for those of you who have checked out the facebook post you already know what's coming yes uh, but for those of you who it's like they can tell the future tuned. can they tell the future i know well you can tell the future if you if you keep it locked to our facebook group um because <laughs> if you, you talk get to know all the, the ponderings tones. way ahead of time only the yeah, you got to talk down here up. and you can just see the future. White yeah. on white, wet on wet. White on white, wet on <laughs> wet. Wet on wet. Then <laughs> uh, you get so, uh, yes. And then the other, the yes, you will beat the devil out of him. Beat the devil. Uh, so the other thing we're doing this episode is we have an octoponder this, but we also have a beta segment that's going to be happening later, which will be uh, a little bit of a switcheroo. So typically we've always had certain hosts have certain 
people do the beta segment. Uh, but today we have a little switcheroony. So I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but we're, we're switching things up a little bit. One of us is doing a segment that a different one of us usually does. So right. that's going to be really fun. So pay attention and stay <laughs> around. Make sure you keep it here. Don't keep it, don't keep it tuned. Keep it tuned. Don't start thumbing through your podcast. Don't you're start tentacling through those intro. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't do that yeah. part. Just yeah. just keep listening. And I think this probably is um, not going to be one of our longest episodes is my guess. No, no, I don't think I don't so. Think I think so. it's going to be it's going to be nice. Uh, it's going to be nice. I'm not going to be able to read it in an ASMR voice the whole time. <laughs> That's OK. That's OK. It's going to be kind of hard. <laughs> hard to do that. Um, but yeah, so uh, without without further ado, uh, let's let's get on into it. OK, uh, so so uh, Bob Ross, he yeah. was born Robert Norman Ross in uh, October. Oh, God, 29th, I was way off. I know we really were. <laughs> uh, Rossman was close, though. Uh, he was born in Daytona Beach, Florida, to parents Jack and Ollie Ross, who were a carpenter and a waitress. Um, Bob, at an early age, had learned to love animals from his mother. And when Bob was young, he spent a lot of time caring for injured animals of all shapes and sizes, including things like armadillos, snakes, gators, and squirrels. Now, those am- uh, armadillos, he- as we know, you keep those in your trousers. You do keep them right in your mm-hmm. trousers. Also, mm-hmm. I noticed that in my notes, I wrote it wrong, and I wrote Aramdillos, which you is did. also funny. Aramdillos. Aramdillos. Got <laughs> them damn Aramdillos. <laughs> so that's fun. She called this episode the joy of Armadillon. Armadillon. Aramdillons. Armadillos. Aramdillos. What's the dillio? This will be our longest episode yet. So, Bob... The man had a half brother, Jim Ross, who we would mention from time to time on the show. Uh, Bob, well, that's not that's not the Jim Ross we know and love from from wrestling. No, no, this ah, is just Jim a, Ross, the painter, Jim Ross. brother. Yeah, different, different Jim Ross. Jim Ross, Bob Ross's half brother. Yeah, he, this guy doesn't shout about the humanity and cartilage and stuff. Oh, the sure. bone rending flesh. Claim to fame. Yeah, ah. different Jim Ross. Okay, just just clearing that up. Okay, different. Yes. Yep. Uh, Bob would drop out of high school uh, in or in ninth grade, and he would start to work alongside his dad as a carpenter. Uh, so after after a very unfortunate accident on the job, which resulted in Bob cutting off part of his left index finger. You didn't see this coming, people. You didn't realize there was going to be oh blood and gore and bones, rending fingers, flesh, cartilage. Again, I different. Mean, Joe general. said he painted with blood. He did. He, did. <laughs> he, he painted with I the did. blood of this finger, his lost finger. Yes. To be fair, Joe would say that about anything. That's, That's fair, but Joe That's, knew. I knew he didn't it know. Time. Now we know. Yeah. Now I didn't had. know. I, I knew before I read. You the didn't notes. know. That he didn't you know knew. ahead of time, but now he knows now ahead of time. Right. Now we all do. Right. right. I didn't okay. know ahead of time, but I know now ahead of time. And so now after, knowing is half the battle. And so right. after Bob was maimed, just horribly maimed. <laughs> <laughs> like he was uh, playing arcade games on an after, emulator. After like after about. after he maimed his hand, he he changed his name to Tony Iommi. Oh, did and he? he started shredding on started guitar. Shredding. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Kept the kept the hair. That that um, yeah. That that's why he named the band Black Sabbath. Oh my God! <laughs> I, think I never made that connection. Tony Iommi. Yes. Though, to be fair. No. No. Oh wait, maybe you are. <laughs> oh yeah, I am. Yeah, that's right. I'm wrong. Okay. Okay, Tony that's Iommi. right. That's right. You're wrong. 
<laughs> That's right. I'm right and wrong. <laughs> okay. So no one's half. He lost battle. a finger. Yeah. So he lost part of his part of his index finger. Uh, it's it's depending on what biographies you read or what little excerpts you read. It's it it straight up is like he lost a finger, and it's like that that isn't true. He he had five fingers. He just cut off part of his index finger. So it's a little <clears throat> little dramatic there, people. A, a little. A uh, yeah. So decent chunk of it though, but you couldn't really see in the chunk. show because of how he held his palate. He always held the palate right, with the left right. hand, mm-hmm. and so right. he, he. But he was self conscious. He didn't want people to see it. Right. Which is fair. And I had no idea I mean, until you know. doing, you know, this research. I had no idea. I know doing this research. I learned I learned so much about this. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So he, he after this, you know, maiming, horribly maiming, uh, he decided that carpentry maybe wasn't his bag, uh, which is fair. You know, fair. I mean, honestly, if that's how you're going to start things off, it's fair. Uh, right. So. Uh, so in 1961, our, our man, Bob, joined the Air Force as a way to explore other options available to him uh, that weren't carpentry. <laughs> Um, and when he, sure, when he enlisted there's in the a Air decent Force, amount of stuff put, that isn't carpentry. There is a good amount out yeah, there. There is. There is a lot. There is a lot. <laughs> there's a lot to choose from. Uh, so he chose the Air Force and, uh, and he was put into service as a medical records technician. Um, he was initially stationed in Florida and then would soon transfer to Eelson Air Force Base, which is in Alaska. Uh, and during his stay here, he would eventually gradually rise through the ranks and ultimately become a master sergeant, E-8, for those of you who that number means anything, and served as first sergeant to the base. Uh, I don't know much about military ranking, so I looked it up. A first sergeant generally serves as the senior enlisted advisor, or SEA, of a unit, and such as uh, a unit such as a company, a battery or a troop, or a USAF squadron or higher level unit, often referred to as the first shirt or just shirt. The first sergeant is responsible for the morale, welfare, and conduct of all the enlisted members in a squadron and is the chief advisor to the squadron commander concerning the enlisted force. Now, I can't think of anybody I would want to be in charge of my morale, welfare, and conduct than Bob fucking Ross. I mean, <laughs> that, that is a man for the job. Talk about making me feel better. Um, so that's pretty funny. You know, he was he was kind of already doing that sort of stuff uh, when he's in the military. I mean, he, um, according to him, he was a he was a total hard ass back then. There, there, maybe, there are there are some quotes. Yeah, maybe yeah. he learned. He learned. He changed his ways mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, you know, obviously you, you can't be born. Just you can't be yelling at a pile forever. Exactly. Bob Ross wasn't born pleasant as pie. You know, we had to get there. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like he was born <laughs> pleasant as pie. And then he then he was forced to get a job and he just had to like stop being pleasant as pie. And he's like, maybe he's like right. peanut brittle at that point. And, and he's then like, he just oh. got a slid back into pie. But he was even it was even <laughs> just like found a comfort. I think the first pie was like a crust pie, like a like a like a cherry pie or a apple pie. And I, the I think second one was pie. like a no bake pie. <clears throat> yeah. The second one's like pudding mm. pie, like a chocolate, <laughs> like something extra smooth. There's like, like you, yeah, you just basically put chocolate pudding in yes. a like pie yes. shaped. Yeah, it's nothing ve- but net like as vehicle. you eat it. It's just no chewing, just like right. Oh, yeah, pure yeah. swoosh. That's what I think. Yeah, just I mean, that's, if, I mean if, if we're going to equate him to, to various pastries, that's how I would do it. Which we should. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. I think that's spot on. Mm-hmm. There, that, that is accurate. Mm. Um. So, yes, uh, he was here in Alaska and he saw his first ever snow covered mountain. OMG. Uh, and, uh, and you know, his paintings, as we know, 
would be so well known for these kinds of things, these snowy covered mountains. Uh, Bob took his first painting lesson at a USO club in Anchorage uh, and would hone his quick painting technique on short breaks from work. Uh, Bob, however, found himself constantly at odds with his painting instructor's abstract technique cited as saying that they'd tell you what makes a tree, but they wouldn't tell you how to paint a tree. And he's like, just tell me how to paint a goddamn tree. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, he actually helped to boost his income while he was at the Air Force by working as a bartender. Uh, and while he was bartending, he would catch on the TV that was in there uh, the work of a German television painter by the name of Bill Alexander. Uh, Bill Alexander employed a 16th century painting style called Alla Prima, or first attempt, which was widely referred to as wet on wet. Wet on wet. Wet on wet. 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 Just basically means you're you're, you're putting wet paint on top of already wet paint instead of letting it. Yeah, it's just wet pudding. Wet. It's like pudding. Mm, Yeah, it's like mixing puddings. Yes, only at the end you have mountains. Yep. 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 Instead of dessert. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead of Bob. Yep. You get mud. Yup. Yeah. So, so this this wet on wet was a rapid style of painting, uh, which fascinated Bob, and uh, he began to study and master the technique. And he eventually um, was able to create full paintings within thirty minutes. Uh, you know, good ass paintings, not like you know, <laughs> I I put paint on a canvas and it's done now. It looks like a squiggly slob. Like no, it was like a nice. I ass did the painting. whole thing, yellow number five. It's ready for the MFA. I did it with the goldenrod <laughs> paint. Look, mom, put it on the fridge. So, uh, so this painting style was really interesting to him. He could rapidly crank out these paintings, and so uh, he he began to put his paintings on these gold prospecting pans, which were sold in this, you know, area of Alaska because people were going up there. They were buying these pans and they're like, I'm going to mine for gold. And Bob Ross is like, well, I could make a quick buck. So he, you know, slapped some beautiful paint on a beautiful gold pan and sold them to tourists in the area. Uh, And he actually made so much money just from selling these paintings that it, far surpassed what he was making in the air force and uh and so bob actually eventually would retire from the air force uh he he held the rank as a master sergeant in 1981 he retired and he returned to florida to further pursue art and painting uh ross would decide at this point that he would not ever again raise his voice after leaving the military uh said that the positions that he held required him to act tough and mean uh, being the guy who makes you scrub the latrine, the guy who makes you make your bed, the guy who screams at you for being late to work, so much so that he had earned the nickname of Bust Him Up Bobby from his subordinates, which is pretty funny. Sounds Bust like he was doing Bobby. a number on the morale. Bust Him Up Bobby. Beat Him Up Bob. <laughs> it also sounds like a good rodeo name for Bob Ross if, uh, if he, had, he had gone that direction, but he did not. He did not go that direction. Right. But right. Had I mean, he, if, he had, if he had happened, happened upon some uh, rodeo on TV yeah. instead, you know, who yeah. knows what would have happened? He would have busted him who up. Knows? Who knows? He would have <clears> known. <throat> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so at this point, you know, he's he's out of the military and he's on his way. So I'm going to I'm going to throw it over to uh, to Parasite Steve. Right. So at this point in time, Mr. Bobbert, uh, or as his friends like to call him, bust him. 
uh, Mr. Bustum. Bustum. Bustum Bob. Uh, Bustum makes them feel good. He would Bustum, 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 Bustum. Feels uh, good. <laughs> so when uh, when Bob left the military, he decided to head on back home to Florida. He was the Florida man. And he, uh, as a Florida man, he immediately sought out Mr. Bill Alexander, the uh, very abrasive, kind of scary German uh, painter that he saw on the TV back in back in Anchorage or wherever he was. Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, this guy, it, it's it's really funny to watch. There are clips of this guy's show and his yep. show was uh, The Magic of Painting. It's pretty funny because like the joy of painting, it's all incredibly similar. Um, and right. You can immediately see the difference between the two shows is one of the two guys is intensely likable and the other one is not. <laughs> That's how I felt. I watched an episode on YouTube and I'm like, oh, God, this is the least relaxing thing I've ever watched. Oh my God, it, it, is, it is the opposite. It puts you on edge. You're on it. He's like, right, right. Right, depression, stroke, wet on the wet. It's like he is like it's 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 like bad. And, and yeah. I, I heard him. He was like, he's like, you have to put the thicker paint on the thinner brush. And it's like this very harsh, like in his yeah. he's got an insanely like thick German accent. I mean, right, like, and hey, German good accent for him for making it on American TV. Right, but yeah, not not relaxing in the slightest. yeah. I mean, even at even at the best of times, German accents are not exactly musical. So they're all they're all kind of like being right. stabbed with an ice pick, no matter how nice you are as a German. It's just your language. It's, it's just how it sounds. And uh, just just yep. just just eat it. It's just just accept it, you know. Hey, but so this guy, this right. guy, we, was love, we love you, Germany. But hey, yeah, we truth. love you, Germany. But I, I I'm I'm blind guardian. This my is just fan. These, okay, I'm these, just gonna say these are, these are facts. <laughs> <laughs> so um, <clears throat> so so Bob sought out uh, Bill Alexander. So funny. It's such a non-German name. I know. Um, and began to study under him, um, not directly, not like literally under not him. physically, not physically under him. Uh, I, I assume they were side by side, but side by each side by each. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Alexander, who was an art teacher in his spare time, happily taught Ross basically everything he knew about painting. Um, oh, unfortunately, later on, uh, the pair would end up being rivals with uh, two nearly identical shows on PBS. As I as I mentioned, so we'll get a little into that more. Uh, but Bob joined the Alexander Magic Art Supply Company, and uh, he actually became a traveling salesman for the company for for Bill Alexander. And um, <clears throat> around that time, he started to become a, a painting tutor himself, and he started to impart some of the things that Bill Alexander had taught him, and. Um, it was during one of these tutoring sessions uh, that he was out out in the country uh, amongst the amongst the masses, and uh, he met a woman by the name of Annette Kowalski, who was just completely endeared by Mister Ross, and uh, thought he was in, intensely talented, but also really saw something there in like the soothing nature of how he talked and just how he was as a person, and really kind of i think saw how marketable he was it's like you're right. the brand dude you're the brand you're yeah, already you're the doing marketability it. you're already yep. doing it it's amazing so she um <clears throat> sunk a lot of money into 
uh, Bob Ross's career. Um, there was one source that I read that said she supposedly sunk her entire life savings into Bob Ross. I don't know if that's true. That's yeah. hyperbolic. I, I had but, read that too. Um, but it is uh, apparently it was a lot of money, but she uh, did not lose her money. She it ended up being a return on investment for her and uh, very, very good investment with uh, with Bob Ross, who, of course, as we all know, is a I don't think we've mentioned it, but total fucking legend. I mean, right. I mean, like at total, this point, fucking, like, legend. total mm-hmm. fucking legend. Absolutely. Um, yes. in, in a in a sort of, you know, in a genre that there are no like total fucking legends. It's just weird. Like TV. Right. Partners. Bizarre. Right. Um, right. But that's just like how awesome he was as as a brand, as a person, as a you know guy. Well, not only the 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 front, like what you see, but behind the scenes, he seemed to be a very wonderful guy. Like mm-hmm. nothing bad has ever come out out about Bob Ross or Mister Rogers, and a better fucking not. All right, nothing better ever come out of, out about those two guys. They're right? saints. Nothing. They're fucking saints. They're fucking saints. <laughs> just en- enough, and and throw Levar Burton on that too. Because I love LeVar, LeVar Burton and he, he liked one of my tre- tweets one time. So like, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> he liked one of my tweets. He liked one of my tweets one time. I'm just, I'm just saying. Okay, so anyway, so back to Bob Ross. <clears throat> so he's, he's doing his thing. He catches the eye of, of Annette uh, Kowalski there. Annette Kowalski there. And uh, so, so they, they're starting like, okay, let, let, let's do something. Let's do something. What, what can we do with this? So then this kind of became a thing that like Bob and his wife started to talk about. And um, I'm like, all right, let's, let's start a company. Let's, let's see what we can do. And apparently in the first year of its operation, uh, the Bob Ross company lost $20,000, which is actually more about more close to $45,000 today. Oof. <clears throat> and, um, and so they, they didn't have a good start for sure. And uh, around this time, money became very, very tight. And something that we have not talked about is I think probably Bob's two most uh, iconic features are his voice and his fro. Of course, mm-hmm. his hair is just like the thing you think of. He's the guy who launched a thousand last second Halloween costumes, right? I mean, like, that's all you really need is like, <laughs> a fro and a paintbrush and, you know, you're, you know, so maybe some blue jeans, uh, you know, button down. Like, you're good. You're good to go. Everybody's got all this stuff. So, anyway, uh, he had normal hair. He didn't, he just, his hair wasn't even curly. Um, in fact, you can, you can find some early pictures of a, a young buck, uh, Bob Ross, and his hair looks remarkably similar to uh, vanilla ice. I don't know what, what's going on there, but uh, it's kind of got a vanilla ice bump going on, like a big, like a little pompadour. I don't know what that is. It's a bump. He's got yeah, a little, it is. Bump. it's like a pompadour. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, so, yeah. So he he never had this this trademark fro until this period of his life when he basically, you know, had launched his company, lost a, a crap load of money at that particular point. And so they were they were literally trying to cut costs. And one of the things that was eating up money for him because he was a military man. And so he uh, he was used to having like his perfect crew cut every every week. So every week he's spending money on his hair. Mm-hmm. And so this is just one of those things where like, you know, money starts to, you know, become a little tighter. You know, one of the things you can cut costs on is your, your appearance, right? Like, I don't know, you got to eat, you got, you got to pay the bills, yeah. but do you mm-hmm. need a haircut? I every can get week? less haircuts. 
So he decided, all right, right. I'm going to, I'm going to cut it one time and then I'm going to perm the ever living fuck out of it. <laughs> and so that's what he did. And so he, he, it was literally just a utilitarian decision where he, he, you know, was trying to save himself money. And then the business sort of started to pick up and, uh, he caught the ID, the, uh, the eye of, you know, whatever PBS executive and, uh, we're, we're going to transition into his TV show now, but like it literally became the thing where, uh, he ended up kind of hating the hair and yeah. really just wanted normal hair again. Cause he didn't need the, the Afro. And, uh, it was just like, Nope, dude, uh, too late. Um, this is how they know you it's in the logo. We drew a picture of you tough shit. This is you forever. And it literally was, he had mm -hmm. the, he had that that hairstyle for the rest of his life because, I mean, he I'm sure if he hated it enough, he would have changed it. But he uh, he recognized that, no, uh, um, this is the brand and it was right. it was good for the brand because as silly as it was, because it's it's funny, like as a kid, I remember seeing this guy going weird. I've never seen anybody with hair like this. I at that point, I grew up in the 80s. I was 10 years old. And in 1989, I didn't understand the fashion of the 1970s. I didn't understand how people had afros and all this stuff. And I don't know, definitely nobody at the time did. And he uh, he just really stood out. At no point did I not think it was silly. And apparently, uh, Bob agrees. <laughs> but it is what it is. <laughs> he sure did. Oh, but he, he kept saving $5 a week for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know. Yep. So I think that's uh, that's kind of that's it for there. So Joe, if you want to take it away with the 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 joy of the painting. joy of painting, yes, the joy yeah. of painting on TV, TV. Exactly how Ross went from perming his hair to save five dollars to being on TV isn't clear, and there are two conflicting stories about how Ross came to the the attention of PBS. You don't say. Oh, no, don't say. The version recounted on the PBS biopic. Bob Ross, the happy painter, states that Ross filmed a commercial for the network with his former mentor, Bill Alexander, promoting his art, filmed a commercial for the network. Oh, my God. I'm, like, doing this wrong. Anywho, promoting his art classes that just happened to catch the eye of the right TV executive. Another version of the story states that how Alaski filmed one of Ross's 30-minute lessons and sent it to the network, who liked it enough to greenlight a pilot. So that's either way, that's, the show uh, began production. Kowalski. So that's that lady. Um, yep, that's Annette. Was Annette yep. Kowalski. Yeah. Right, okay. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Either way, the show began production filming at the PBS station WIPB in Muncie, Indiana. Mm, Muncie. 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 Every painting that was done on the show was painted three times. Once beforehand, as a reference to live TV, once was on the show itself, and once afterwards for a photographer present to take <clears throat> many shots for use in his books. See, okay, so let's stop Over there for a second. That is oh so fascinating. <laughs> I know, isn't that? I thought that, that was really interesting. Yeah, I now I have like, learned this right. like before this, you know, learning about it for this episode, but I didn't know it until sort of recently, sort of like last couple of years. He painted every painting three times. Three times. Three like, times. It's so crazy. Like he's so fast. Every episode of the show is only half an hour long. So, like you said, a bit, he got fast enough that he could paint a, a whole painting in half an hour. 
Yeah. And uh, a whole ass painting in 30 a whole minutes. ass painting, a good ass and, painting. And probably yes. did it in practice. But like, I don't think he spent like five hours on the first right. draft. Exactly. But it's it, like, is, you know, it is interesting to me. Like, I did always wonder, like, he's so sure of himself every time he goes. And it's like, do you are you literally just flying by the cuff? So he had at that point already painted it once and it was sitting on the ground, just on the ground. <laughs> I saw a picture staring up at him. Yeah, it was staring up at him. And he's like, he's got that down there and he's going to paint the same painting right away again. And then he would do it one more that time. Crazy. That is and, so crazy. And I think the final time ended up in what What was it? Did, did you just say it was or? all his books? It's all. His yeah. Books, right? Yeah. One of the yeah. Books, yeah. Which yeah. is like so they clearly wanted to get pictures of it in progress. Like, OK, let's take a snapshot after yeah. you've done the tree or the, yeah. or the mountain, whatever, because I was thinking I'm like, just take pictures of it, of the other two that are already right. done. I, I, exactly. They, right. Right. They really right. wanted wanted to have a whole intimate foot pho- like photographing experience of like, no, yeah. every brushstroke, whatever technique. Or maybe the and maybe everyone subsequently got a little bit better. Maybe by the third one, he wasn't so rushed. Um, trying to keep that him in, in, that, in yeah. that 30 minute window for the show. And maybe he was like, all right, I'll spend an extra 15, 20 minutes on it this time or something and make it a little bit better. Right. Um, right. And there were episodes I remember where he would, he would kind of stop and he, he would be like, um, cause for a while, Dr. Matteo and I were watching Bob Ross, like all the freaking time, like it was going out of style. And um, it was, it was funny. Like every once in a blue moon, he'd be like, uh, well, I guess we'll just stop it there because he clearly ran out of time and they're playing the music. It's like, you know, at the Oscars <laughs> when they're they're still talking and then the music, the, the big swell to... comes up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah, exit stage yeah. left. And yeah, I, uh, I think that's just super yeah. fascinating that that's what he's very anyway. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Nintendo. Hooray then. Hooray. Over 31 seasons. 31 seasons, guys. 31 Holy shit. Seasons. 31 Unbelievable. seasons. Four- Unbelievable. Unbelievable. 403 episodes and 11 years of broadcasting. Bob was never paid for a single episode of The Joy of Painting, which is fucking insane. Yeah, and never literally... sold a single painting made during filming. Unbelievable. He gave them all away. Gave them all away. Yep. Unbelievable. Instead, the show was used as a vehicle to promote his educational business, which would eventually expand to include a variety of art supplies, which are still available today, which is cool. Yeah. I think, I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. His company came to be worth over $15 million. Which isn't as much as the that- Saban Empire. It's not as much as Saban. Not, but not really like as this, much. This guy who's just, he just loves painting. Yep. Yes. It's like this, this is quite an empire. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. Right. It's estimated that Ross completed more than 300,000 paintings in his lifetime. Holy 30, fuck. 30,000. 30,000. 30, 30, yeah. 30, 30, you 30, had 000. an extra zero. I did. But still impressive. Still impressive. <laughs> yeah. Still impressive. Holy shit. Super that's crazy. Impressive. Yeah. Fucking <clears throat> crazy. I mean, think about that. Like just, just for the show. So 403 times three. Right, right. It's twelve hundred and nine. Like, you're talking, yeah, paintings over just for the show, right there, just for the show, and all those right, twelve hundred right. paintings got given away a hundred percent. And I don't know if you guys uh, read about this or not, but apparently, it is impossible to determine the worth, the value of a Bob Ross painting. It's impossible because statistics for it don't exist. The thing is, oh, he wow. didn't really sell 
paintings after he got famous, he just sold his art supplies. That's what made him the money. So he like, like you just said, Nintendo. So like he, he didn't get paid for the show. He gave every yeah. single one of those 1200 paintings away. So I don't know about all the other stuff, but apparently I, I read, like I watched a, a mini documentary and that's what they were saying. And I, I remember looking it up years ago. Cause I was like, I wonder what Bob Ross paintings are worth. And it's like, nobody really knows because nobody will sell them. They, whoever has a Bob They're Ross just like just these prized like pieces, right? Yes. Yeah. And most of, most Ross. of the time it was like, you know, there's a story attached. It's like, you know, somebody who's a uh, worked on the show or as a family member, somebody worked on the show or somebody who was a fan. He would do that too. He would like correspond with his fans, you know, and he had like tons of fan letters every day. And he would, he would sometimes just send fans paintings. It's like, what yeah. the hell? <laughs> I mean, that's that's different than I wrote to a celebrity who was super freaking nice and sent me a signed headshot. That's awesome. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. But can you imagine this is his this is what he does. He makes paintings. I painted you. He's a painter. I'm a painter who's famous for painting and being awesome and super chill. And I am super awesome and chill enough to have painted you a painting. Oh my God. That's it's like crazy. an actor just being in a movie for free because right. you sent them a letter. It's, it's really mm -hmm. crazy. Like insane. Super, super nice. Just like yeah. an unprecedented kind of guy. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. In it's, all it's, ways, it's, it's really amazing. You know? So I feel like, uh, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to, to highlight Bob Ross and, and to do this episode. So, you know, we've, we've been doing pretty good so far. Uh, you guys have been doing great. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we are kind of at our halfway point right about now. Uh, right now. So we were, we were thinking about taking a short break. I don't know. Uh, but we may, we might, I don't know. We might have something to ponder. You know, we might, we might have to octoponder something right about now. I don't know if you guys are ready, but buckle up. I'm ready. Oh, oh, I'm ready, guy. Buckle up. Just so buckle up. If <laughs> buckle up, buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> so I I postulated this on Facebook this morning. Uh, but for those of you who don't know the future, uh, I asked I asked you to Octoponder if you could have Bob Ross paint one sci-fi fantasy landscape uh, from any property or franchise. What would it be? Uh, so, you know, I kind of threw out, you know, maybe some comics, maybe some video games, movies, you know, album covers, whatever the hell, just any yeah, kind of setting that you really thing. like some iconic setting for you. If you could have Bob Ross paint that, what would you pick? So that's the Octoponder. Uh, you know, we are going to go on a short break. We're going to ponder it ourselves. And then we will let you know what we thought when we come back. And I will read some Facebook responses as well. So stay tuned. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Hey there, this is JB. 
And if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, at TalesFromThePodcast.com. Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream. <laughs> Hello, this is Terrell Whitlatch. I am the lead creature designer for The Phantom Menace, among other things. And you are listening to Retro Redoctopus. Hey, are you ready to do some bacon? It's about that time where we ask you, the audience, to octo-ponder this. Hello and welcome back aboard, everyone. Before we took a break, we asked you all if you could have Bob Ross paint one sci-fi fantasy landscape for you from any property or franchise, what would it be? So uh, we we are going to weigh in now. Uh, let's hear from Parasite. Steve, what, uh, what, what would you choose? Um, I'm going to go the movie route. Um, I'm going to go to one of my favorite landscapes from the MCU, the M, the C, and the U. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. It is, uh, it's the planet that, um, that uh, they had to go and get one of the stones in Infinity War. It is the, uh, the home of the Soul Stone, uh, where the guardian of the, the Red Skull is trapped for all eternity or something and being creepy up on the mountain. And the planet is called Vormir. And it is just very much one of the most striking alien planet landscapes uh, of recent memory to me. It is sort of barren. There's not really anything there. But man, do I love the look of this place. Basically, what you have is uh, lots of the palette is all purples and indigos. And you have this amazing big like eclipse up in the sky and it's this big like you know pinkish purple just beautiful sky and the the majority of the terrain is all like sand dunes and in between the dunes um it's all filled with water so you have this like beautiful reflective effect that's um you know reflecting off all these little little lakes all these little ponds that are in between these massive sand dunes and in the background of course you have some mountains and they're not snow-capped mountains. They ain't, they ain't that pretty. They're they're pretty ominous. That's what they are. They're pretty ominous. I'll tell you that. Um, really beautiful landscape. I uh, I I think this would be amazing to see uh, what Bob had had to say about Vormir. Very very I beautiful mm-hmm. palette. I love the palette of this place. Agreed. Yeah, and it's a palette that I don't think Bob Ross really got to use too much. All these like purples and stuff. So I would be super into that. Uh, Nintendo, what do you got? All right, so mine is a scene from one of my absolute favorite RPGs of all time, which is Chrono Trigger. Uh, This scene is called Death Key. And I think it's one of the most gorgeous graphics I've ever seen on the SNES. What it is, is you see like a a happy dead tree. It's on on a cliff. And... The, the sky is all like like orange and red and oh, it's just so so gorgeous you have like the clouds and everything it is so awesome and what's cool about it is that there's two different versions of this because you go because uh, uh for story wise you have to resurrect 
uh, the main character, Kronos, and um, a a eclipse happens. A, sol a solar eclipse happens, and and then it changes everything to to like instead of like the uh, the the oranges and reds, you have like the blues and the whites and and all that stuff. It's the, very wintry. You got the blues and the and it's and the very whites. the blues and the whites. The the, the Betty Whites. You get the, the Blanches and the Betty Whites. Betty Whites. <laughs> those are my those are my favorite two colors. <laughs> yes, yes. Awesome. So that is that is my pick. That is a super cool pick. Very iconic uh, that is scene. Definitely one of the most iconic scenes in that game for, for sure. sure. Uh, awesome choice. Awesome choice. Uh, all right, I will throw my hat in here uh, and say I would love to have a Bob Ross original of Endor from Star Wars. Yeah, I Endor. want the Ewok planet. <laughs> I want all the lush jungle. I want the trees. I want the tree houses. I want there to be like, I don't know, like a little like ATS or something walking around back there just being, you know, whatever. But I feel like that would be the nerdiest, coolest ever mash up painting to have like a big bob ross original Endor. it would yeah. just be fucking amazing and every single tree <clears throat> would be happy absolutely i mean I, so was, I was trying so, so hard to dodge star wars i'm like i just I'm like there's so many good ones like because like you could do you could do like tatooine with jabba's palace off to the left or something or totally yeah totally yeah but but yeah like i when, when i came up when i came up with this question like endor just immediately popped into my mm -hmm. head my my other my second runner-up i was really heavily considering uh having him paint uh one of the landscapes from howl's moving castle because i adore the yeah. just landscape shots throughout that whole movie um and i feel like he could do a really cool job with that um but so much of that is the moving castle and the, the landscape itself is just more like rolling hills and stuff. So I ended up going with something a little bit, you know, more iconic. But anyway, uh, that was that was my my choice. Uh, so now now we get to uh, do a super fun part and we can read off some of our favorite answers that we received from our Retroids on Facebook today. So uh, we're going to start things off real strong here. We have Derek Lofstrom. Uh, he wants Bob Ross to paint a whole bunch of Yes album covers, yes. Uh, which is a wicked, wicked cool idea. Uh, some to name a few would be the album Union, Keys to Ascension, and Relayer. Um, and so these album covers are all very unique, very alien, very iconic. And uh, they were, you know, something that was originally done by the painter Roger Dean, um, William Roger Dean, but uh, you know, he had a very unique style and it would be awesome to see Bob Ross do those paintings. Uh, we have Reagan Riggles uh, shouting out Midgar from Final Fantasy seven. Uh, yeah. That's an awesome choice. Yes. Yeah. Super, super choice. cool. Great iconic landscape there. Definitely one of the most iconic uh, landscape shots of Final Fantasy, I think of any final. Absolutely. Fantasy. Oh yeah. Right. With, with, with the city yeah. there and the mountains yep. around it and, you yep. know, oh, just super, super iconic. Love that. Uh, Eric Michaud, we have Irithyll from Dark Souls 3. And I, I had to double check this one because I, I, I was pretty sure I remembered what location it was. And uh, yes, this was also my favorite place from Dark Souls 3. This was this massive, just frost covered, you know, like citadel landscape with all these buildings and castles and spires and these huge, you know, snowy mountains all around you and everything. Uh, holy shit. That's an amazingly great pick. I would love to see Bob paint those with the knife, especially. 
because that's just magic right there. Um, <laughs> Plus, I like, I like uh, hearing can't, can't, it. I, like, I just like hearing the knife. Right. Right. Just like, oh, it's just so good. Uh, Alex Hoey, uh, he, he had, a, he had an, a very interesting suggestion. Bob Ross versus Alex Ross, Dawn of Ross collab. He wants to make the blood pools of the Red Lantern planet Ismol. Oh my god! Uh, so that is a, from, the, amazing from the Green Lantern, cut. you know, Pantheon. Yes. yes, and I mean, just badass, just absolutely awesome. And, and that would it was be Alex so Hoey's, fucking cool. Yeah, and it was Alex Hoey's answer that made me realize that I answered incorrectly, and that my choice should have been Oa because I love Green Lantern so much. But I, 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 I just that would have been cheating. That would have been cheating, right? You can't walk it back. You can't walk it back. So awesome. Awesome uh, submission there, Alex. Uh, Brandon Powers uh, wants to see Roland, Eddie, Susanna, Jake, and Oi fighting alongside a town of Calabrin Sturgis against the wolves in the Dark Tower versus Wolves of the Cala. Dark Tower. This is five. a Dark Tower reference for you guys. Dark Tower 5. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Dark Tower Dark 5. Dark Tower of the Cala. Yeah, V. That's that's a number. Yeah, uh, but also sometimes letter. That's a that's uh, another so that. Game. Very cool. That's cool. I don't, cool. I don't know much about Dark Tower, but you know, I I'm I am in support Calibrin of your choice, you know, I stand I stand with you, uh, <laughs> Stephanie. Oh, Brandon Stephanie Powers. Adams. Oh, Brandon. Oh, Brandon. <laughs> we stand with you anyway. We we do we do. Uh, Stephanie Adams says Bob Ross uh, does the set of the Nightmare Before Christmas, and I feel like that's like you got to have Spiral Hill, right? You got to sure. have the Spiral Mountain. Like, yeah, that's that's amazing. You know, that would be fucking super cool. Yeah. Uh, if Bob Ross did commissions, there would be so many people that would be game for that exact painting. Yeah. Um, Russ Lyman, aka Russly Man, aka <laughs> Russ the Man Savage, uh, he wants. Also, a scene from Chrono Trigger for the Super mm-hmm. NES. Uh, he wants the famous campfire scene in the woods. He said there's plenty of happy little trees for him to paint, and there's some great shading there, very, and very, I couldn't agree more. True. That uh, Yeah, that I agree. I, I actually have the black box of that, or the shadow box, rather. The shadow box of, of it, yeah. Yep. That's an incredible scene. I, I actually got that scene for uh, a friend of mine for his birthday. I got the shadow. That box. was going to be my pick. My pick. Pick. Well, I ended up going the uh, the other one. Oh, I'm glad you. I'm glad you did that. Diversified. Yeah, me so too. Yeah. Had, you know, the funny thing is because when he when he posted that, I tried posting my pick and it just wouldn't let me. Oh, it was so denied. fucking weird. Denied. I was totally denied. Uh, so thank you for that, Russ. You're awesome, dude. Uh, we have a, a submission from Taryn Barber, mother of retroids. Uh, she says, I would love to see him paint a scene from the book, The Forever War. Now, I do not know much about The Forever War. Um, I, I would assume, much like Brandon Powers' choice, that this is a really great choice. Of course, Taryn, it is. Taryn, Taryn, Taryn Barber. I mean, Taryn Barber it. doesn't choose not awesome things. So right. I just I'm just gonna have to do the research myself so that way your suggestion sounds even better. Yeah, I'm it's already good. For it. It's already I'm good. I'm, word for word it. For it. I'm sure I'm sure it's awesome. So I'm gonna have I'll to take a word, word for it. it. Taryn also had a second suggestion, but I will not say it because it was also the choice of another retroid, our final retroid, Danny Drury. Uh, she wants to see Bob Ross do the Shire for sure. For sure. Uh, she said that he would make 
such happy little hobbit <laughs> holes. Yes. And I mean, what happy hobbit holes they would be. <clears throat> very, very uh, cool and, to and hear so, from yes. Danny. We haven't heard from her on uh, on the show before. She hasn't answered a question like this, but she's one of our oldest friends going back. Uh, Joe and I were in high school buds with uh, buds with Danny way back in the day in the 90s. Going way yeah. back. I, I met Danny when I was a wee baby person. You were a, so, you're a wee baby man. We baby man. So that was that was super cool. I uh, I tagged uh, a handful of people that I knew kind of were artistically inclined and would maybe get into this. Um, you know, it it obviously the the rush of Facebook is crazy and you can't always weigh in on stuff. So right. I was like, well, I'd like to call attention to it. Maybe get a few other people yeah. to, to take a look. And hey, you guys right. did great. Thank you guys you did so awesome. Much. Uh, love yep. all the all of the Thanks, options, all of these suggestions round of applause for you all Booyah. uh so thank you so much uh and you know uh anybody else who you know want to participate you can still let us know you know you can post it either on the the post that i had already posted on facebook this morning uh feel free to comment on that or just send us a message shout us out on twitter redoctopus at gmail.com if you so please uh and you know just kind of let us know if you like what we're doing, even even if you don't have a good suggestion or anything, just be like, hey, we love your stuff. Cool. Thanks. Bye. And we'll be uh, like, hey, love you too. Goodbye. Love, love you. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Uh, all you got to do uh, is search Pinecast Retro Red Octopus on Google and you will find us. We are right there. We are the first result for that exact three word combination. Uh, so do that. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and thank you all again for those awesome ponderings. So without much further ado, let's get back to the show. Let's uh, get back into it. We need like another <laughs> another announcer we uh, need, uh, drop where he's like, back to basics. Or something stupid like that. Back to the meat and potatoes. <laughs> Gonna sink my bacon. Because I'm an octopus. <laughs> and I don't got That's teeth. That's how I said I'm going to sink my bacon. No, my bacon. I'm going <laughs> to sink my bacon. Probably not. We're All not right, going to well, do that. While you're sinking your While you're sinking your bacon, why don't you talk to us a little bit about Bob Ross's stack? Okay. So now when I say Bob Ross's style, which is the first time because uh, 8-Bit said it the first time. Um, <laughs> um, so it's like, I don't just mean painting style because this dude was nothing but style on legs. I mean, let's be real. Let's be real. Style on legs. You know it. <laughs> oh, he was a tall drink of style. Oh, yeah. So Bob Ross. Paul drink a golden rod. <laughs> Some burnt. Don't eat that. Burnt ember. The burnt umber. Burnt oh, don't you leave that burnt umber right where you found it. Oh, that came, <laughs> came from underneath some bark. I think there were termites in it. No. Um, so, Watch out. so Bob is uh, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly is not a word. Undoubtedly is the word. Undoubtedly. Known <laughs> most for his style and unique <laughs> sensibility. So as a as a personality on TV, so you know, obviously you get the hair, yep. But you know, he actually put a lot of thought into his look, and uh, not just the hair, but what he was wearing. So um, he really was concerned about uh, not dating the show. He didn't want it to feel like it was from the era that it was filmed in. He wanted it to have a sort of timeless quality. And so he made sure that he was really just wearing very simple clothes at all times. So basically in every single episode, he's just wearing blue jeans and a button down shirt. And these are things that are not 
out of style today. Like they are, he was right. They are so simple. Right. That mm-hmm. um, you can watch that show. Now you can, you, you, what really is dating it is more of the, like the video quality and they couldn't do anything. The quality, it. right. You know, yeah. but the, as far right. as what he was wearing and, and all the stuff, there isn't a lot of, you know, period fashion that's in there. So kind of interesting. Um, one of those things you don't really think about, but like he really thought about it. As for the look of the show itself, um, Bob would do a few things in prep, like he would lightly sand his palette before each episode, so the studio lights wouldn't um, like cause this blinding glare to like reflect off the palette. It's kind of interesting. Like I can't believe he even thought of that, um, but he must have. They must have right. tried like a few shots and thought that it was too shiny or something, because he doesn't. He, his whole thing was he didn't want anything to distract the viewer from the painting itself. So other than the hair, there's nothing really screaming, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything's right. It's just simple yeah, black yeah. background. Um, and so he sanded down the palette to get rid of the glare. And, um, and there really wasn't anything much of a set to speak of. It's just like I said, he's just painting in the void, just painting in the void. And uh, <clears throat> which is something else he picked up from his former mentor, Bill Alexander, because like I said, you know, I mentioned it before the magic of painting, um, really was very similar. Like it basically looks exactly the same. I really pretty much the only difference is the man. Um, mm-hmm. Same sort of exact thing, just a painting in a painting in a void, but only where, where Bob was painting in the void. Bill Alexander was painting in the void like that. And it was different. <laughs> it was a little different, uh, subtle, subtle, but you can subtle tell difference. a little difference. It was there. Um, so yeah, I'm like, Bob really wanted to make the show a personal experience for every viewer. So he decided to speak as if he was giving a private lesson to the individual viewer. Like he, every, every time, like he's talking directly to you specifically you. Yeah. One of those TV personalities, like really kid shows are what does this. Right. The break of the fourth shows. wall. Like yeah. Just we'll break the fourth you. wall and, and make it. So you are feeling like he's talking directly to you. Um, kind of an, kind of an interesting thing, but that's what he did. Um, and he understood uh that yeah so i i thought this was pretty interesting um i kind of lost my place in the notes here um he he later admitted in an interview that he understood that he he's doing all this like like as if he's walking the viewer through this painting process at all times he's like pick up your brush pick up you know you want to do this you want to you know, dip, dip a little, 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 little white, little white and little, little crimson valerian, or I don't know what he does. Like uh, there was always a green. There was like the same green every time. And like, I don't know. It's been too long. a little bit of blood. <laughs> it's never blood. It's never blood. Joe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like it was like alizarin crimson. I'm almost there. I'm so close to it. It's like you dip that fan brush in a little alizarin crimson and then a little bit in the liquid white. And then anyway, yeah, yeah, it's al- yeah, it's alizarin <laughs> crimson, and then there's like sap green. He always do sap green and uh phthalo green. Oh yeah, phthalo green. Thalo green. Yeah. Um anyway, so he um he's talking to the audience as if he understands that they are painting too. Yet he also understood at the same time, he said this in an interview later, that he understood that 90% of his audience did not and would not ever paint. He a hundred percent understood um, through the 200 fan letters he got every day that his fans actually primarily enjoyed the show 
not because they were learning how to paint at all, but because the just sheer entertainment value of watching him paint and also how relaxing he was. This is the kind That'd of be like a that... teacher getting fan mail saying, we loved your class. Oh, really? What did you learn? Oh, nothing. nothing. I just liked listening to you nothing. and watching you talk. Right? I enjoy your life. Oh. I, 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 I want to add my cousin, Adam, who is autistic. He is a huge fan of Bob Ross. Like yeah. he has, I, I think he has every episode recorded on VHS. Wow. My God. And, and he, that's how he started painting. He, he would watch Bob Ross and actually paint with him. Nice. That's awesome. He yeah. was in the 10%. He was in the 10%. 10%. Good old Dan. That's really cool, yes. though. Yeah, I mean, there is just something about him. I, I And, you know, it's, it's funny. Like, cooking shows. Like, people watch the British Baking Show. Who's baking with the British baking? The British right. Bake Off. Like, the Great British right, Bake Off. Right. Like, nobody. It's like not... who has a TV in the kitchen back in the day? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's possible now, it's but possible, you know, back but... then. Yeah, but it's just funny. It's like you know, that's that's true. That's really not why I ever watched Bob. I never, I never go. Wow, I want to do this. I want to set up my easel so I can mm-hmm. hurry up and paint. Because part of me, part of me says like, it, I'm never going to be as fast as him, and I'm going to have to keep pausing it or going back or something like. He's so fast. So I think the point of it was he's, he was always just trying to teach you just general ideas. He always said that he didn't, he, he never wanted you to copy exactly what he, what he was doing. He's just kind of explaining what he's doing along the way. You're supposed to like pick up various little things. You're like, Oh, Oh, right. Just I through can, osmosis. Just I can kind of like, absorb the technique. Right. And, and he would always do that thing. Like whenever he did paint, whenever he did mountains or like the top, like the roof, of a cabin or something like that. He would always use the, the knife, the palette knife. And he always get that little roll. Yeah. And he would always, always talk about like, get that little roll. And you just like, he would just, just flatten out a, a bunch of paint. Like a, 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 I think that's what it's called. I think it's called a, a paint on the palette. <laughs> I think that's, that's a yeah, the official term. <laughs> term. And uh, he would just kind of, he would just flatten out that. And then he would like, just kind of draw across it. And he would get this little teeny weeny little, ridge of paint on the end of it and he called like you gotta get that roll okay get a little roll of paint and then he would take that and then he just flatten it out on the canvas itself and make these like perfect geometric like you know trapezoids kind of as he's going and that became the basis for so many freaking things and it's like wow when you realize like if you can master that idea you don't need to paint his mountains you could just paint mountains it doesn't matter it could look like anything and like, you know, obviously there are other applications with the, with the roofs and stuff, but, and then, and like, once you understood like how he did the rivers and how he did waves, like actually the waves are like one of the things that always got me when he would, when he would, so cool. like he, he would just kind of block off this big area of like, okay, this is the ocean. Okay. And then, and then he's like, puts, puts a bunch of like light blue and then white. And it's like Bob Ross, look, man, I trust you, but this looks like shit. And then like, you're like, no, you know what? I'm going to just, I'm just going to hold up. I'm just going to hold my tongue and I'm just going to hold up and just wait. And then, and then like, he does like a couple more things and he gets that little, gets a little roll, gets a little roll in the palette knife and he does this thing. And it's like, oh my God, what the fuck just happened? It's like two seconds went by <laughs> and it went from Looking like shit. Sorry, Bob. Ha ha. You're not as good as I thought to I'm kidding. You rule. I suck. 
how did you do this? I couldn't even tell. <laughs> it always keeps the plot twists coming. I just don't see it. Yeah, it's 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 so rare that he would get to the end of an episode and I'd be like, meh. Like most of the time, it right. was always it was always so amazing that he was able to pull off the things he was able to pull off at the speed. And, you know, I mean, yeah, the the, the technique right. is there. The carelessness is there. Like he's able to do it, but he does it in two seconds. It's like, I know, I know it's, it's effortless. It makes you feel like anyone could paint. It really is incredible because it, it's like it's not that easy. But man, it right. really makes you feel like it. Right. Super cool. So yeah. uh, the last thing I'll just say uh, for style to the show, just a little little extra thing he definitely did not need to do, but it was interjecting, um, you know, part of himself, a little bit more of himself into it as if there wasn't enough. Oftentimes while Bob was painting away, he would catch viewers up on how his little various little animal friends were doing back home because he, uh, you know, as as 8-Bit said at the top of the episode, he was he developed this love of of woodland creatures, little woodland creatures um from his mom and um yeah he just always really uh he just loved animals so much and most of the time the animals he loved were just like normal like animals you, you don't even pay attention to like he loved squirrels my god and uh so he would be you know taking care of one animal or the other and uh he would share footage of how that animal was doing back home. Uh, and then sometimes on the rare occasions, he would actually bring him on set. And it was just this very weird thing that like, this is a painting show, but sometimes he would talk about his buddies and uh, chief among them in my mind uh, is definitely Peepaw the pocket squirrel. And Peepaw the pocket squirrel. <laughs> this is the cutest little guy. And he uh, was uh, apparently it was a little epileptic little squirrel and he raised him from uh, just being born, just little baby squirrel. He, he was so small in the early videos and you actually saw him bottle feeding him and it was all real. It wasn't bullshit wow. at all. It wasn't at all like just for some image. This is just Bob being Bob. This is like I'm doing I'm doing right. it anyway. You might as well see and get enjoyment. Like that's just what he did. And uh, really, really crazy. And then he, he befriended this other lady he uh, often called the bird lady. And uh, I can't remember her name, but she would come on sometimes. And, and uh, he would have, well, I don't think she would come on set, but he would share video of um, various birds that he was like interacting with that were actually, um, they weren't hers, but she would, she was a, like worked at a rehab uh, sort of a place and they would, you know, release back into the wild and, there, I remember there was a, mm. there was an owl that they went back to a few times and uh, and it was always like as much interaction as he could get he would he would be there like holding the thing and and the squirrel would like oh my god I mean that squirrel was so comfortable with him he literally fit in his pocket and then when he got too big like he, he was the, he was the pocket squirrel he would like run there's footage of him like he runs all over Bob's body. As if Bob is like, I don't know, a maypole and the, the squirrel's just freaking out and like just buzzing around him. And Bob is just like literally <laughs> as stone cold as he could. He is just like not bothered in any way, shape or form. The thing is buzzing around his body in 360, like treating it like he's a he's going up a tree and it's Bob. He's a Bob tree. And like, I don't know. Bob he just, tree. It's just insane. Uh, really, really crazy. He was Bad a very tree. special, special dude who really was able to. Mm -hmm. I don't know, commune with nature in a way that most people will never be able to do. 
Yep. And, right. and, you know, like clearly just had such an understanding and a mastery of landscapes and like that connection to nature was just yeah. in every part of his life. Like, I, was just, just, I was just going to say that there's right. that, that connection there. Yep. Yeah. Super cool. Pretty cool. Awesome. For sure. Very, very yeah. unique style, unique guy. Um, so Nintendo, you, uh, you're going to talk to us a little bit about some Bob Ross's super quotable. Some of his quotes. Quotable uh, moments here. Yes. Potent quotables. So he coined. Yes. Potent quotables. Yes. <laughs> he coined phrases that would repeat time and time again throughout the show. Things such as painting happy little trees and happy clouds. He would dry off his paintbrush at the top of each episode saying he had to beat the devil out of it as it as it slapped against the trash can or easel. Now, do you guys do you guys remember that? I absolutely do not. That's I my, don't remember that. That's the best part all. of every episode. Every single part. episode. He always gets like, a little chuckle. He gets a little just oh my little, God, you know, he, little every of joy. single time he's he thought tough. it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, just beat, beat the devil out. He's like, I'll have to I have to look. This oh my up. god, so funny! It. You can buy shirts that say "Beat the yep. Devil Out of It" with him, and like yep. it's it yep. really, really, oh, really nice. funny. He would just—it's funny how funny it was to him. That's why it's funny because he said it's like it his every little moment of rebellion. Time. Yeah, because he was just yeah right. It's his one thing where he's getting it all out, and like he's just trying to like get the excess stuff off the brush and he just kind of whacks it back and mm. forth against the easel really really fast and he's like you just beat the devil out of it and every time you can see that he's trying not he's he's like no this time i'm not gonna laugh and then he would anyway he's like damn it's so funny he's like i'll beat the devil out of it <laughs> he just love, i just love this my favorite part just like he loves all, that, all that's, that's, that's always the best they try to like you know stay cover it up and, yeah yeah and they just can't do it he's I mean, he's just right. in that moment. He is just such a lovable goober, and like he's so genuine, just so a hundred percent, yeah, a hundred percent genuine. For sure, I love. I love when he'd beat the devil out of it. <laughs> it's the best. Beat the devil, bitch. Anyway, right, go ahead. So, I, just, I just, I just had to, I had to weigh in on the beat the devil out of it. Go ahead. Right. All right. So another thing that Ross would say: we don't make mistakes. We just have happy accidents. Oh, so true. So true. So true. So true. When asked about his relaxed and calm approach, he said, well, I got a letter from somebody here a while back, and they said, babe, everything in your world seems to be happy. That's for sure. That's why I paint. It's because I can create the kind of world that I want, and I can make this world as happy as I want. Shoot, if you want bad stuff, watch the news. And that's exactly how he said it. I that's remember, how that's I how he said the, it. Yeah, I think. I, I, think, I think. Of all the bad Bob Ross impressions, that I think it, right? yours is the least bad. Oh I'm my gonna God. say that's not one of them. Yeah. Oh, oh, I was gonna say that's really bad, but okay, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Humble Bray. other noble quotes include, "That's a crooked tree." We'll send him to Washington, which is my favorite quote. That is brilliant. We'll send, we'll him, send to him to Washington. Washington. <laughs> like Bob, you That's sly awesome. devil, you. you old hippie, you. Uh, he knew back then. We tell people sometimes we like drug dealers. No, we're like drug dealers. <laughs> <laughs> we like drug- Wait, scratch that. Hold on. Scratch that. Hold on. Scratch There's that. a contraction scratch there. That. Yes. Come into town and get everybody absolutely addicted to painting. 
it doesn't take much to get you addicted. They say everything looks better with odd numbers of things, but sometimes I put even numbers just to upset the critics. He's so wily. You just oh cannot God. predict him. He's just yes. out there. Just he's beating a the out of brushes and he's just rebellious. He's always he's a, messing with him, sticking it to the man. He's a freaking rebel without a brush. No, he, had, a he did have brushes. I've seen them. Yeah. But he doesn't have a brush now. No, no. No, he, he doesn't now. But at the time he did. At the time he did. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't believe some of those quotes. I thought they were phenomenal. Like, I mean, so many yes. of the quotes that you always hear are like very inspirational and very nice. And like, oh, everybody needs a friend. Let's paint this tree a friend. Everybody needs a friend. <laughs> it's like that kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, that's that's so nice. And then he's yeah, just like, yeah. that's a crooked tree. We'll send him to Washington. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> that's, Washington. that's really <laughs> Yeah. I love it too uh, when he would be I like, even uh, numbers in just to upset the critics. Like, oh, <laughs> just to be so a cool. dick. He's like, I'm going to put a, just a to piss him off. Ha. <laughs> 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 ah, symmetrical. I bet you hate it. I, I'd love when he would, uh, he would talk about things like the happy little trees were, were people like always, he would always personify everything. So he's yeah. like, he's like oh, everything. Well, well, maybe, maybe there's a, there's a, like underneath the happy little tree, there's there's a little there's a friendly bush. Maybe a little friendly bush lives there. Yeah. Maybe that little friendly bush needs some friends. And so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make some friends for the friendly little bush. And, and go <laughs> right. And Every like, aspect was personified. You just felt yeah. like he was creating like a, a cast of characters. Right. It's, like, it's just a bunch of rocks and, and like the, water and sticks. This is the shit. crazy cat lady that lives on fourth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, she's in the studio right here. I mean, she's a she's she's a ficus. But she's crazy. She loves the crazy ficus cat lady tree. Crazy ficus cat lady. Yeah. He uh, he had he just you know he made his world magical even when yeah. it was just normal normal nature crap. Every part of it seemed alive and breathing. <clears throat> and awesome. I mean, I really, I honestly think that such a good word for him is just goober. Like he's just such a lovable goober. He's he is. He's a goober. Mm-hmm. He's a doofus. He's like, but he's, he's like, like, it didn't matter. He didn't care at all. Mm-hmm. He's like. I am just gonna be friendly, and and silly, and not at and all as eccentric care. and you know not, whatever with my painting yeah, as I want to be. It's like fine. I don't. I just want to be this way, and yep. that's all. Yep, he's like, he's genuine. Love it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so unique, so great. Mm-hmm. Um, so our uh, our final segment here uh, is going to be uh, the death and the legacy of Bob Ross. Um, so Bob, unfortunately, had passed away at the age of 52 uh, on July 4th. That sucks, right? Yeah, uh, right. 1995, due to complications from lymphoma. Um, Bob did have one son, Robert Stephen Ross, uh, with his first wife, Vivian Ridge. And his son actually became a super talented painter as well. Um, and he had appeared on The Joy of Painting a few times. Yeah, I remember uh, And actually him. also became a Ross certified instructor because like, you know, much like Bill Alexander's whole, you know, magic of painting company kind of thing. uh, Bob Ross's company really took the same pathway, you know, of like, okay, we're going to have this show. We're going to have these products. We're going to have people coming and becoming instructors. They're going to get certified. We're going to do, you know, these tours of instructing people and whatnot and all that other stuff. It's just a matter of they, they, got a lot more recognition and a lot more success because of Bob being who he was. Um, so yeah. His and Alexander being who he was. And, right. And Alexander, which was abrasive. 
but I, I will say, you know, we've we've bashed on Bill Alexander the whole episode. Uh, but the funny thing is, is that I did watch uh, one of his episodes and I agreed that it was nowhere near as charming uh, in any respect. But all of the comments, not a single comment was drawing comparisons to Bob Ross. Not one. Not a single person mentioned this guy's just a Bob Ross ripoff or Bob Ross ripped this guy off. Nothing. Everyone was just, I love Bill Alexander. He's such a great painter. I love watching him paint all this other stuff, blah, blah, blah. So he clearly still has a pretty dedicated fan base. His videos had a ton of views, you know, and his, his painting technique is incredible. Like, you know, at the end of the video, I was like, yeah, that's an amazing painting. It just, it was weird because it felt like I was watching a Bob Ross video with Mm -hmm. a different guy painting and you really just see how much he learned from him. So he's an incredible painter. Uh, And I think it's actually really heartwarming that so many people love Bill Alexander in his own right. And didn't yeah. draw comparisons and stuff. And it's YouTube we're talking about here. Like yeah. anything goes, right? So yeah. I think I think that's awesome. That is awesome. Um, but uh, but yeah. So so his his son uh, became an instructor with his company, uh, and obviously you know the legacy of Bob Ross needs no introduction. But his likeness has just become ingrained in pop culture. You know, like, I mean, it's on everything from like chia pets he's appeared in family guy he had a google doodle on october 29th uh 2012 uh he was the main subject matter for a deadpool 2 teaser trailer which is really funny yeah Uh, so it's just like so good it's just absurdly Mm. good uh loved that um, Bob Ross actually had a board game released, which was called the yep. Bob Ross Art of the Art of Chill. We actually uh, have it at Target. So I, 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 a friend of mine has it as well, and I, I think I have like popped it open and messed around with it a little bit, but like never actually played a full game of it. Um, have you guys played it through it at all? We played it once, I think. I don't really remember what you're supposed to do. I uh, see. I'm trying to remember if that's the game where everybody draws a doodle and then the other person is supposed to find something in the doodle. Like, Oh, I see a happy little tree. I think like, I think that's the idea, but I, eh, I'm probably getting it wrong. Okay. Okay. That would be a really great concept for that. Um, I know that drawing is involved. Well, that's good. You know, that's good. It's thoughtful. <laughs> oh, I imagine um, so. But it was, it was interesting. You know, it's just the art of chill, you know? And I feel like it's one of those things that like, that's like, I don't know. That's such a millennial thing to say. Like Bob Ross would never actually be like, yeah, no, I have oh, right. the art of chill. You oh, know? right. Like, and on this uh, is like on the Netflix, Bob Ross estate. Right. Right. And on Netflix, it's chill with Bob Ross is like, oh, wow. It's not, it's not packaged even the joy of as the joy of painting when you when you search for it. I think I think you might find a couple, but there is one that is just called chill with Bob Ross for sure. And it has various episodes. I mean, there's so many episodes, yeah. as we said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. four hundred and three. Jesus Christ. Um, so I mean, obviously, I'm sure no one place has all episodes like yeah. available for for replaying or whatever. But uh, you know, anyway, you can still watch plenty of it. And uh, this was really cool. This was this was definitely when uh, this upcoming point I'm about to make is when I started to re you know have Bob Ross in the spotlight and remember and a lot you know, start talking about him a lot. Um, so the streaming platform Twitch, which you know commonly people use for streaming video games and whatnot, uh, they began streaming episodes of The Joy of Painting in 2015. Uh, they had done a nine-day marathon to commemorate what would have been his 73rd birthday. Uh, you know, just out of the goodwill, just for fun. And they had an insane turnout. There was like 5.6 million viewers over the course of this nine-day marathon. 
uh and twitch took notice they you know they were like holy crap this bob ross stream was so popular uh let's keep this alive so twitch actually made a weekly rebroadcast um of a season of the joy of painting and they would play an episode every monday and a portion of the advertising revenue that was generated during these rebroadcasts was promised to charities, including like St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. So they kind of like, you know, kept his spirit alive and brought it to a whole new realm of viewers who were like, you know, I mean, I would say that most of the people who are on Twitch watching streams are probably not the people who saw the original broadcasts of of his show in the in the early 80s and 90s. So um, that's awesome. And I love that it's generating money for charity. I gotta gotta, you know, love anything that can, you know, help people out in that way. Um, And so we've we've alluded to this throughout the whole episode. Obviously, everybody knows how how Bob is with the way he talks and his relaxing nature and all this other stuff. Uh, But it's really fascinating because Bob Ross is a pretty notable primary source for ASMR. Uh, So like for people who don't know what that acronym is or who have heard of it, but just been like, I I don't know what that is, uh, stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, uh, which refers to a euphoric feeling, uh, which is triggered in your brain, which can be experienced in a variety of ways, including uh, oral triggers like audio, like sound based triggers brought on by things such as a soothing voice or the sound of, you know, like a uh, hand on paper or, you know, or a palette knife or on a canvas, a palette knife. Exactly. So Bob Ross inadvertently almost created a genre just by being the way he was. And uh, so the uh, a woman, Joan Kowalski, who's the president of the current Bob Ross Incorporated, uh, she's quoted as saying he's sort of the godfather of ASMR. Uh, people were into Bob Ross for ASMR reasons before ASMR was even thing uh and i've kind of recently realized that and found that yeah that's so true that's probably the first time i've ever noticed that the sound that just things make just from using them was incredibly soothing and really relaxing and gives you like this tingly feeling of just comfort and bob ross did that so much you know the palette knife especially holy shit uh and that's fascinating to me you know that that Mm. is really uh a genre that has exploded and people on YouTube, that's their whole live livelihood is doing ASMR, uh, which is amazing. Um, so Bob Ross was really influential in that by accident. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, you know, his legacy is, is incredible. It's huge. It can't be understated. Uh, one thing I also want to mention. So this is, this is moving past the legacy aspect, but uh, when I was doing research for this episode, I used a few different sources, primarily, obviously, I, I referenced Wikipedia, um, and I also referenced uh, the Bob Ross website, uh, because Bob Ross's website has a very buried, very small section of uh, about Bob. Uh, and the thing that I found uh, that was... Sorry, what about Bob? Uh, all about Bob. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just all of it. So I thought it was crazy because Bob Ross's website had the worst information about Bob of any of the sources that I found. (laughs) It was really surprising. So, uh, so between Wikipedia and I, there was a very 
very good article written uh, by Carl Smallwood called The Surprisingly Mysterious Life of Famed Artist Bob Ross. Uh, he had a, a, a ton of good information there uh, on the website, todayifoundout.com. And uh, I was comparing a lot of the notes between Wikipedia and this article and finding that they had much more developed information. They went into a lot more detail and explained things that the website just kind of glossed over. I'm like, this is BobRoss.com. They don't have the best research or the best information about the guy himself. It made me a little sad. Uh, you know, I was kind of bummed out that that was kind of how yes. things went. Yes, seriously. Uh, you know, honestly, it was it was a bummer. It kind of felt like the the cash in was selling the the merchandise and all that stuff. And I mean, obviously, that's what about that's, the man, the myth? Right, what, what about the, the legend? The and uh, and so it turns out that Bob Ross was like. It, he was notoriously not interviewed, like really nobody throughout his career, not many people anyway, um, interviewed him at any length. So there was a lot of aspects of his life that weren't known, like the, the information that we have about his military history and all that stuff is you know, pretty cool. But uh, a lot of the nitty gritty of him was just kind of kept secret. Um, he actually like had been quoted saying i never turned down requests for for interviews i'm just rarely asked um but that eventually became uh, a little bit different and he just sort of became like a more secretive man like he wasn't really forthcoming with a ton of information about his his personal life and all that other kind of stuff he was just you know he's just a happy painter guy um and there was there was a book that was written about him called happy clouds happy trees the bob ross phenomenon um and this book I did not really read because it's pretty long. Like it's, it's, it's the closest thing to a true, you know, biography that you have, but really it's, it's more just reflective on, 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 you know, the, the phenomenon of Bob Ross and it's not even a true biography. So no real biography exists of him. Um, a lot of the details, just like, you know, how the, how the show got started on PBS, like Nintendo said is actually yeah. not known. Like it's not, documented how it got started it just existed one day and nobody wrote down what happened who was talked to how it all happened and i thought that was really interesting because it's so rare nowadays that there's stuff about anybody famous that we don't fully know right um and i'm like man someone like bob ross who has such a freaking legacy there's you know just so many aspects of him that were not talked about not known and it's just for you know lack of writing it down lack of you know whatever so i mean uh, you would think with you know 11 years 31 seasons 403 episodes there would be something written down no kidding i know but you know it really boils down to it being like it, it was like a pbs show and you know maybe people aren't putting a big eye on pbs kind of stuff but um you know, he he was also notoriously not a artist who displayed or or really like paraded his artwork. Um, he only had his art in a single museum, which was in Muncie, where the show was filmed. Uh, other than that, he said he kind of disliked the idea of displaying art in a museum, uh, saying that most painters want recognition, especially by their peers, but he felt that he achieved the recognition a long time ago with TV, and he doesn't really need any more. So he was like, I don't want my stuff to just be in museums for that reason. I don't need that just to get me credibility. He's like, it's fine. You're like I, I have the joy of painting, you know, I, it's, you know, it's, it's enough. Um, and so I, I thought that was pretty interesting too, you know? Uh, so very secretive um, in the fact that he had lymphoma at all was, you know, totally kept 
close to the chest. No one really knew other than his family and friends. Um, and he had continued painting just about up until his final days. He filmed his uh, show until 1994, which was a year before he had passed away at 52. Uh, and his final resting place says simply Bob Ross, television artist, mm. which mm. is comically underwhelming. I'm it like, is. that's just that doesn't go not yeah. good enough. That's just not good enough. <laughs> anyway, television so. artist is like a resume subtext. Yeah, like that's like, oh, okay, I'm a resume artist. Yeah. I'm a right. television artist, but I mean, he's so much more than that, uh, and has given people so much joy and. And, you know, taught a lot of people that they could do whatever they, they set their mind to, whether it's painting or, or whatever it happens to be. Lots of good words, lots of good inspiration from this man. Uh, you know, I, I am really thrilled that we were able to, you know, speak at length about his life and his career and, you know, reflect on some some fun anecdotes of the man himself. Yeah, uh, this has been great. Thank you guys yeah. for participating. You know- Absolutely. And yeah, you know, I'm glad we, we, you know, we're able to crack this nut. You said this over a year ago that you wanted to do a Bob Ross episode and we just couldn't figure out how to do it because we right. always present that, like, yep. Oh, let's pick a, uh, you know, a theme. And then everybody, you know, goes and watches a movie or everybody weighs picks in a show or, or whatever. Everybody picks a game or yeah. And we all just weigh in with our memories about a specific work. Mm-hmm. So it was yeah. just something, it was just different enough they were like, we're not really sure how to do it, but you did it. Right. Yeah. Great job. Thank, thank you. I mean, thank you guys too. You know, this was, this was really fun. I think that doing the Jim Henson episode made me feel a little more confident about it. And, you know, it, again, it was like Jim Henson and Bob Ross were two that had been on a list for a really long time. And True. I'm like, damn it, damn it. Season three, I am doing yeah. these, yeah. I'm doing these and I'm sticking that's to right. my guns and whatever. If it's challenging, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yep. Let's just, let's just do let's it. Let's just do it. So I'm, yep. I'm psyched that we're able to do this. Um, so here we are, you know, it's just about the end of the episode. We're almost uh, time to catch that horizon. But before we say goodbye, let's go to this. Hello. And welcome to the Dorkening Podcast Network. Press pound to hear the available shows. That Strange Show, Throwdown Thursday, Loose Cannon with Jar Jar Jeremy, Three Guys That Horror, The New and Improved Super Retro Throwback Reviews, The Audio Files 2.0. This is probably one of Dwayne's worst films. Yeah, he's allowed to have a tooth fairy every now and then, sure. Yeah, this is a tooth fairy and then some, because it does not show the monsters tearing up buildings until the last 20 minutes of the movie. That's what the game is. It's fucking monsters tearing up a a fucking city. Secret Underground Hideout. Cinema with Harrison Smith. Dorks the Podcast. The Dorkening. Black and White Fright. The Wicked Horror Show. Subscribe to all these awesome shows anywhere podcasts can be found. For more information, check out thedorkening.com. Hello, this is Tom Kenny, voice actor. Uh, the voice of the Ice King on Adventure Time. And SpongeBob SquarePants. Ah, oh, Gary the Snail, too. Hey, guess what you're filling your eye holes and ear holes with? The Dorkening! Oh, I love the Dorkening. Very popular in Ooh. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history.
from the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd whose name Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The little critters of nature. They don't know that they're ugly. Nature is sugar. Nature is spice. Nature is filled with maggots and lice. Human sacrifice. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Smell a fresh dropping and cover your tracks. It's time for Uncomfortable Nature Facts. Hey everybody, how's it going? It's uh, the Parasite Guy here. Yeah, I know, it's crazy, right? Because Uncomfortable Nature Facts is definitely not my bag. But, uh, you know, uh, as 8-Bit said at the top of the show, uh, we're doing a little something different. So we're kind of deciding that... um, these these as we call them b segments i feel like that's an internal term that we don't really use uh, online at all but we always just kind of call the extra segment that's kind of unrelated at the end internally we always called it the b the segment. beta segment the beta the segment, segment yeah. yeah so it's like you know mm-hmm. you know uh, and joe's got his power to the metal and uh and i have my bookshelf of the damned and various other things we've kind of all had our yeah. our certain ones and we just decided that uh going forward from here on out if anybody wants to do any of them it's it's open, open season. Like it doesn't matter. So, Hey, I got, it was my, it was my episode to do a, a beta segment this particular week. And, you know, I was like, you know, I, I want this to, to mesh up with Bob a little bit. And I just couldn't like bring myself to do another book or another indie game or another, you know, or a, a, a die monster or something like i'm like nothing makes sense i want it to be bob related so here we go uncomfortable nature facts for you guys uh in the vein of bob ross uh i don't got happy little trees i got some smelly little trees you guys Uh ready i'm a i'm gonna i'm gonna drop the three smelliest trees on your laps you ready nice (laughs) so first we have the tree of heaven. Now that's the Ilanthus altissima. It's native to China. This invasive plant produces an overly abundant amount of seeds. Crowds out native species with its dense thickets and secretes a chemical into the soil that is toxic to surrounding plants. Also known as the stinking sumac, the Chinese sumac, the varnish tree, and the stink tree. It is described as smelling like rancid peanut butter or burnt rubber. (laughs) I didn't know peanut butter could get rancid. Well, it (laughs) apparently can. Well, it does. (laughs) That is the the so-called tree of heaven. It's a Not weird so ass heaven, name. Up next, we got the <clears throat> Bob. You can stay right there. I can't. I can't. I can't continue with you. Uh, we have the gink. <laughs> okay, we have the the ginkgo tree. Ginkgo. Gink. It's like G I. So G I N K G O. Ginkgo. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the, ginkgo. Yeah, ginkgo biloba, which I I've heard of ginkgo biloba. I don't know. So another My another robot. another native to China, also known as the the maidenhair tree, 
It's the only living species in the division Ginkop, uh, okay, uh, Ginkophyta. 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 Um, and all others, uh, all, all others in, in that particular division are extinct, with some fossils dating back to 200 million years ago. Well, back 200 million years. I read that wrong. Okay, so the seeds are the problem here with the ginkgo tree. <laughs> they contain uh, butyric, no, shit. Uh, butyric? Butyric. Butyric acid, also known as butonic. Butatonic? Buton? I can't even read my own. Science is hard, guys. Science is hard. But it contains a it, it contains a butt acid. That's the problem. It's a butt, butt acid. Ass. We're just gonna call it a butt ass. And uh, it is said to smell exactly like either rancid butter or vomit. Ew. That's the ginkgo tree. So you're you're walking along and you're smelling smelling puke, and it's like, oh well, it's the ginkgo tree. All uh, right, so here we go. Last one. You guys ready for the last one? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's the calorie pear. It is actually a type of pear tree, and they do have little fruits, but you can't eat them. So this is <laughs> it's also native to China and Vietnam. These are all Chinese trees. Like, I don't know what the deal is. So in looks, it actually is very similar to the ch- cherry blossom tree. So in other words, very pretty. It's, you know, got pretty white blooms. And they were imported into North America um, and planted around as ornamental trees. Um, I'm really trying to hold it together. Wow, so pretty. Yeah, so pretty. (laughs) So their dense clusters of white blossoms are conspicuous in early spring. And uh, the the leaves actually do uh, turn red in the fall. So it's it's a really like very pretty tree. Problem is, while these trees are pretty, when they bloom, they smell like either rotting fish or the much more a uh, common description is semen. In fact, so many people have called oh. it the semen tree <laughs> that it that it warranted an entry in Urban Dictionary aptly defined as the odor of used sex rags. <laughs> uh. That's right. The calorie pair. It's a cum tree. Oh my god! It's a whole new definition to the word kumquat. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. yeah dude that's super gross yeah, so apparently the smell uh is there for you know pollinators um it it draws in bees and various insects and stuff like that like it, it works that's why certain um you know certain like there's plenty of gross flowers too that smell disgusting oh, yeah. i really wanted to keep it to trees um but you know there's like i'm glad you did flowers. no this is yeah this, yeah well i hadn't heard of any of these but uh, and it's really funny as a uh, just <laughs> as an anecdote, really, really funny. Um, years ago, we uh, Mrs. Parasite and I were out in New York. We were actually going to a Wizard World, New York, and we had parked like way far away. It was just absolutely ridiculous how far it was we, that we decided to park because it was just on the street and it wasn't it wasn't expensive. And it's like, OK, it's, it's going to be like an extra 60 bucks to park in the garage. Like, screw that. So we literally like parked fucking so far away it was ridiculous like a mile and a half away and so so we're walking and she's like um and i'm like what and she's like um nothing (laughs) and then so like so we're leaving and you know we had our day and we're leaving and we go out and she's like um and i'm like what 
And she's like, do you smell that? I'm like, smell what? She's like, it smells like, it, it, sm- it smells like cum. <laughs> and you're like, hold and, on uh, now, sister. I don't know nothing about that. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Does it? <laughs> Boy, my brain wasn't there. And uh, catch a whiff of that. That's cum with. She's like that. It it smells like cum. It does. And I'm like, well, okay then. Uh, and she's like, you know, it's really funny. I recently read about trees that uh, that smell exactly like cum. And I'm like, wow, cum trees, huh? That's really great. So actually, it's really uh, funny because I bet you anything. It's like, got to they, they were calorie pear. There's probably some calorie pretty, pear trees. Pretty ass cum smelling calorie pears over there. Uh, yep. Yep. That's fucking hilarious, man. I can't believe you've encountered this. Real life. <laughs> <laughs> like, didn't want to say it. She's like, oh, how do I say this out loud? Ooh, oh, how do I? Ooh. Uh, okay. Okay. Just got to just out with it. Uh, <laughs> that's. That's fucking awesome. I, I hope I hope Bob Ross painted one of these in, in his in his career. Uh, actually, interesting uh, that the ginkgo tree that you were talking about, the, the butyric acid that's in the seeds, it is actually found in uh, the mammalian gut, which is ah. why it smells like vomit. Because ah. it's actually vomit smell. <laughs> it's like that's, that's the insane. thing in vomit. Huh. Butyric, so it's a, it's butyric acid. Butyric okay. acid is the same same component, at least part of it. So pretty crazy, pretty cool. Because I've heard uh, of ginkgo biloba. Like that was something that yeah. was always in commercials or something. Yeah, I've like it was an ingredient in ginkgo biloba too. I what 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 do you drink it? Do you, is it moisturizer? I, I what is I, it? Don't know. Ginkgo don't biloba, know. or it's like a health thing, or ginkgo like biloba. I, I don't know. I totally remember hearing that all the time. I mean, like, there's an article called now. 12 Benefits of Ginkgo Biloba. My guess is that it was one of those commonly sold like, you know, oh, this is not a vitamin, but it's like a supplement and you can mm. take pills of ginkgo biloba, ginkgo biloba extract or some crap. It contains powerful antioxidants. It can help fight inflammation. It improves and, circulation and heart health. And it will make your there, skin there's plenty of benefits. like rancid butter. Rancid butter vomit. And yeah. or vomit. Mm. Animal. All right, so that's my uncomfortable nature. That's yeah. that's been a wonderfully uncomfortable nature fact. Uh, <laughs> thank you for that top three. <laughs> well a solid countdown. Um, wonderful. Uh, nice tie-in too. I like that. I like that a lot. I'm so so yeah. So that was a lot of fun. You know, we got to switch up who did what segment, and hopefully that's something that we can do more. Uh, you know, just whenever whenever we feel like it, whenever yeah. it permits. You know, it's not not so rigid, not so locked down yeah, we're gonna enforce all these rules on ourselves you guys like it no matter what even if you're if you're this far into the episode you like it no matter what <laughs> so we thank you for listening you love the countries steven you do you do you love the uh so uh so we're pretty much we're pretty much all wrapped up here uh does anyone have anything they would like to promote this week well i i will mention that uh yesterday which i believe was march 1st um if i've done my math right and carried the two my book finally came out get you guys <laughs> oh my god yeah. Yeah. Worm finally came out it is finally unleashed upon the world uh we just had our party last night on the dorkening and that was really really fun and amazing and uh yeah if uh, you guys missed that you should definitely go check it out 8-bit was there and uh also yeah. uh 
yeah, uh, super awesome, amazing author buddy of mine, Chris Philbrook, who was super kind enough to read the book before it came out and write me some insanely, amazingly nice blurbs. Also, uh, Greg Marcus of the Give Me Five podcast was on, and he did the same, actually. Him and uh, the Give Me Five guys were really, really super sweet, really, really generous guys, and um, they, they also... Read a, an advanced copy of the book back in October. They actually did an episode on their show about it. And a couple of weeks ago, I was actually, they welcomed me back and I was actually on and, uh, you know, talking about the book again. But it was really, really, really crazy experience. They were very, very nice guys. Uh, we should definitely have them on the show sometime. Actually, Greg Marcus was mentioning how uh, he, he was, he's, uh, well, there was a time I recently was talking to him and he's like, oh, I was just listening to your episode. You're a, uh, <clears throat> season two finale your year wrap up where you know we always do our thing where we watch a movie for the first time we've never seen that's like first first viewings of classic movies and i was like oh well we're gonna definitely ask you guys all to do that next year for sure um and he's like oh yeah sure so that's cool nice. but definitely you know again just nice. you know spreading the ten tentacle virus out there you know we're just we love meeting people and um networking and all this podcasting fam and all these book fam and author fam and all these people i've met online and uh, it's really like just doing the stuff we do is is reward enough really it really is just so awesome but anyway so i just want to thank everybody who is uh who's on the unleashed party for mark of the wishworm last night and uh yeah if you didn't check it out uh last night it is it is on the internet somewhere i know i live streamed it on my page and also uh it was on the dorkening so yeah, look it up. Check it out. Pretty cool stuff. But uh, and if you're interested in the book, you can still buy it roughhousepublishing.com and uh, you can pick up all the versions are still there. And uh, yeah, uh, dark fantasy. Awesome stuff. I worked real hard on it. And, uh, you know, if you pick it up, uh, I, I'd really appreciate it. You know, that's You'd all be, uh, be doing, being, being a real cool person. You know? be real, be, cool be a real pal. Really be a real pal. Yeah. yeah. I got to recommend yeah. Got to recommend yeah. picking up that book. Yeah. It's a good yeah, book. Yeah. 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 Gotta go. Gotta go do it. Gotta go do it right now. Yeah, uh, what about you, book. Nintendo? You got something to prom? I think you do. Yeah. I, I, got, I got a couple of proms. Oh, couple. shit, son. A couple. I hope they're tasty. They better be tasty. Oh, oh they're, they're fucking delish. Scrum diddly. So we launched our very own YouTube channel for Retro Octopus, and we will have at least one video a week. Maybe two. Who knows? Maybe fourteen. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe like one one video a day. Who knows? Maybe, maybe one. I mean, I, I severely doubt it, but you never know. <laughs> so no. we got like uh, you know, we got big plans, and we're gonna like you know like we do our our beta segments for the podcast, and we're gonna turn some of them into like video episodes to put on the channel, which which will be really cool. So I'm definitely doing. I'll be doing a power to the metal uh, video for the channel where I'll be talking to musicians. So I think that'd be cool. It's not really like retro or, or anything, but it's, you know, it's cool. Yeah. And some of these guys have been around for a while. So, you know, you'd say it's retro in that way. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, and we'll also, um, hopefully we'll do a retro nouveau on the channel. I think that'd be really, really yep. fun. Be like a little, little yeah, video a little, interview. Do some little, yeah, little reviews of game. uh, new games that, that play like they're old games. Yeah, absolutely. So that'd be, that'd be fun. Yeah, I mean, and, so many um, of those are coming out for the, for the switch. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Big, big yeah. system for that stuff. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, and for my own channel, my Nintendo 25 channel, 
Um, I'll be probably, uh, I'll be like running my own podcast with other YouTubers. So I don't, there's no official name for it. I was kind of thinking of Nintendo cast or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, that should be a lot of fun. We're, we'll just like talk about like our feelings on upcoming games for like the Switch, yeah. Xbox, and PlayStation 5 yeah. or whatever. So I think that'll be fun. We'll have different guests every time. So so my 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 co-host, as far as I know, we're we're still in the early planning stages, will be Linda, aka the Gamer Girl. Nice. Nice. So, Linda's Linda's a ton of fun. So, she's awesome. Yeah, she, yeah, she's wicked cool. And speaking of which. She will be on our Konami episode, which we'll be recording in the not too distant future. So yeah, it that should, will be well, it awesome. should be premiering two weeks from today. Exactly. Yes. So that's yep. yep. Potentially so next Sunday really cool. AD. It's gonna be yeah. really really cute. Who knows? Yeah, you're gonna like yeah that, that's that's gonna be that good. sounds super fun. We can't wait to see what comes out of the retro doctor. That's right, and, we... and contribute to it. Yes. yes, when yes. time permits and when COVID permits and all that nonsense. I yeah. just recently bought a video camera, so I am now a hundred percent more able to have my face on things that do not come from my phone because I'm sick <laughs> of my damn phone camera, and that's enough of that. Yeah, so yes. uh, all cool things happening there. Uh, so I, you know, I mean, I guess I don't have anything super new to promote, but I you know, have 8-Bit Alchemy on my YouTube channel. If you look up 8-Bit Alchemy there, you can find all of my music. You can find my music on SoundCloud as well. And I am always interested in taking on commissions uh, for people interested in getting original 8-bit music, original NES style compositions. I have a lot of fun doing that and I have a lot of fun working with people um, to kind of get them what they need. Uh, I'm actually in a little bit of a writer's block right now. I'm trying to work on a theme uh, for the What's in Your Head podcast, uh, which is uh, a lot of fun, really great you know, interviews they do there. Um, and I am, you know, trying to work on something that's like a little bit hip hoppy. Uh, but, uh, the, my dude, Julian Hester, uh, was super, super patient, super nice. And I've been taking forever. So if you're listening, appreciate your patience. Um, but I'm, I'm operating out of my element here. And so it's a challenge and I love that. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, always, uh, hit me up if you're interested and I would be happy to work with you as long as you are happy to wait <laughs> an indefinite amount of time. And if you want to check um, out his, his themes right now, you've written stuff for Retromania, shark bites, the dorkening epic tales and epic tales from the sewers. Correct. So and, and for my channel too. Yes. And for Nintendo right. 25 uh, on, on YouTube. Uh, so there is plenty of me around if you want to sample it uh, or if you want to check it out on YouTube, go right ahead um so yeah that's my that's my to do nice so you know here we are that wraps up the episode so yes. if you guys all haven't jumped ship by now we certainly hope that you enjoyed this week's journey over the happy little waters of all the things that made growing up awesome if you liked what you heard please hit the little subscribe button and like us on facebook and like us on twitter and as well as being part of the NBR Podcast Network, Retro Red Octopus is a full-fledged member of the Dorkening Podcast Network. And we can be heard on Hellfire Radio as well. If you get a chance, please check us out and check out our sister shows like Throwdown Thursday, Super Retro Throwback Reviews, Shark Bites, which we mentioned, The Amalga Files, Mostly Ghostly, and 
secret underground hideout, just to name a smattering. Uh, for more information, or to subscribe to us or any of these great shows, please visit thedorkening.com. I have been your host, 8-Bit Alchemy, and we will see you next time. Are you all ready for some, some, some podcasting? Some of that, uh, some of that Give very I know, more minutes. I we could, uh, I thought maybe we'd like do a little bit of podcasting here. <laughs> do you guys? Hey, do you know? Do you know what my favorite color is? It's white. It's white. Do you know what my favorite golden girl is? It's Blanche. I bet you. I bet you thought Blanche. I was going to say something else. Blanche. <laughs> Blanche. I'm. I was always a Blanche. For that. Man.